helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. in school, we learned about taxation without representation. If that was good enough for the colonies to declare independence, shouldn't it be good enough for us to change those we hire to represent us? See, the problem with taxation without representation is we pay the bills but have no say in the laws that create them. This is why Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution vests all legislative, read, lawmaking power in Congress, not the bureaucratic state. So what happens when the bureaucrats either make or simply rewrite laws all on their own? You have taxation without representation, the theft of the right of the American people to have a say in their laws. The problem is exacerbated by the fact that those entities we hire to protect us from these violations are either derelict in their duties or complicit with the crooks. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. We are returning the Constitution to we the people, and this is one very, very good reason why. As we'll see today, this understanding of the taxation without representation that has not only been existed in our federal government for way too long, but has become rampant in its abuse of power, has, uh, is is easily dealt with once we understand the Constitution and once we teach the, um, well, we'll say the representatives we hire to actually do their job rather than play the political game. And that's going to be the hard part. It's easy to whine and complain. The hard part is actually getting out there and educating people. And I'll talk more about that as we get farther into the program. But there's one piece of education I need to start with right up front. And that, that is the fact that the president, the president is the sole executive power in this country. All executive powers are vested in a president of the United States. That's Article 2, Section 1. So when we talk about the, the bureaucracy and the executive branch, well, understand that is all of that exists under the president. You know, when I was younger, my father used to have a coffee cup on his desk. It says, I have a very responsible position. Whatever goes wrong, I'm responsible. That's the role of the president. The president has this bureaucracy to help him exercise his power, but it also means whenever they screw up, whenever something is wrong, it's the president that's responsible because it was his power that was being exercised or abused by his subordinates that have... Uh, Uh, led to this particular problem. Now listen, there have been attempts to to regulate Americans out of existence, or at least our freedoms out of existence, for decades. This is nothing new. I've seen it all the way back to the 1970s, and I, if, if I look, I can take it all the way back into the 1930s and probably beyond if I try. This idea that the executive branch is just quicker and easier to have the executive branch write a regulation than it is to actually get a law passed. So these problems are abused. Now, again, Biden is not the first, but boy, howdy, he certainly has been one of the more actives. Well, just take a look at at some of the things he's regulated. Washing machines, dishwashers, refrigerators, ceiling fans, water heaters, 
uh, uh, gas generators, he's even uh, even light bulbs are all being regulated to a certain standard because of, well, these are all being done through the Department of Energy. And this Department of Energy, by the which is part of the executive branch, meaning they work for the president, um, this Department of Energy doesn't legally exist. See, regulating energy is not a power delegated to the United States. It's not vested in the United States. If you look, therefore, you look at the entire Constitution, regulating energy is not a power delegated to the United States. Therefore, the act that created a department to do so is unconstitutional, and it's void. And by the way, it's not my words to say it's void. It's, it's Alexander Hamilton. It's multiple Supreme Court cases that say an unconstitutional void act is void and as if it never existed. So there's problem number one, right? As much as we want to focus on the president, and as much as the president deserves the attack for this, um, he probably would not have been able to do this, at least not as easily, if it wasn't for Congress ignoring the Constitution, violating their oath of office, and creating a federal bureaucracy, another bureaucratic department that um, doesn't legally exist. That's why I said we need to know the Constitution, because if you read it, you quickly recognize, hey, the DOA does not legally exist. But Paul, Congress passed a law. Uh, look at Article 6, Clause 2. Laws the United States made pursuant to the Constitution are supreme. So the law creating the Department of Energy is not supreme. According to Alexander Hamilton and Federalist Paper 78 and several Supreme Court opinions, the law was not constitutional, therefore it's void as if it didn't exist. And because of that, we're seeing this taxation without representation because we have an, a law that was not legally passed, creating an agency that doesn't legally exist, that is now viol further violating the Constitution by making up laws or regulations that are treated as laws to regulate everything in your, in your, in your home. I've talked about the gas stoves, but again, more and more we're seeing regulation that is not necessary to the safety and security of society, which, according to Noah Webster, means it's tyranny. That's right. All of this, this bureaucratic regulatory state is tyranny. It is despotism because it is taxation without representation. We didn't tell them, we didn't tell the federal government you can regulate energy or anything that happens to use energy. We didn't tell Congress you could make an agency to do that. Our representation is being ignored and overturned. Now, there are plenty of people that will try to sneak this in, saying, well, gee, uh, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's the federal government's regulation of interstate commerce. They'll say, uh, they'll write the law in a funky way that says, well, you know, any washing machine sold in interstate commerce. Well, again, there's two problems with that. First of all, Congress has the authority to regulate interstate commerce, not the executive. Therefore, these rules are all void because they violate the basic premise of the Constitution. But there's more. See, this isn't regulating interstate commerce. This is regulating products in interstate commerce. See, if you're regulating interstate commerce, you're saying, okay, the, the taxes and, and rules and regulations about the, the actual commerce we will regulate, right? Can you collect ta sales tax across state lines is regulating interstate commerce. Um, 
you know, that's one thing. This is not saying when you sell a washing machine across interstate lines, um, you have to have, you know, the, the, the sale has to include these things. Like, you know, what sales, who's collecting the sales tax, stuff like that. No, we're telling you what those products must be. That is not regulating interstate uh, commerce. That's regulating the products in interstate commerce. By the way, this goes all the way back to the 1930s. And I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. There was a, I believe it was a Michigan farmer who grew wheat on his own land that he ground into flour to make bread for himself. And some bureaucrat in some court decided that, oh, well, because he is eating bread that he made from his own flour, that he made from his own uh, wheat, um, that actually impacts interstate commerce. Therefore, it can be regulated by the federal government. Right, yeah, you got to be pretty stupid or twisted to believe that, but that's been the standard. And now we have all of this faux regulation. These regulations don't legally exist. They are violations of the supreme law of the land. The problem is, well, it's twofold, right? You've got the bureaucrats, you have the bureaucrats and the and the courts, the federal courts that simply cannot read the Constitution, the plain language of the Constitution, and apply it. But the other problem you have is you have the states. And you have the, 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 the legislators and the governors and the sheriffs and the police chiefs in the states that either believe this lie that the federal government legally has a Department of Energy that can regulate everything that you plug into the wall or use any, uses any sort of energy, or they are too cowardly to stand up and say, wait, wait a second, we, we didn't authorize that. This is a, a violation of our citizens' rights. No. So either corrupt or they're cowardly. Either way, they're violating their oath to support the Constitution of the United States. Now, some may turn around and say, well, you see, Paul, this needs to be done because it's for the good of all for all of us. It is the general welfare is 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 actually it's not the commerce clause, it's the general welfare clause. See, because Congress can 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 make laws protecting the general welfare. But again, it's not Congress. The general welfare clause, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. And it says that Congress has the power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises to do three things. To pay the debts, provide for the common defense, and the general welfare of the United States. Capital U, capital S. Proper noun. Not the individual states, and certainly not the people, but the union of states. But you see, we're not talking about collecting taxes for the general welfare. We're talking about regulating how people live their lives. This is not freedom and independence, ladies and gentlemen. This is dependence. This is the federal government telling you how to live your life. This is the federal government telling me, telling you, you are too stupid to figure this out for yourself, so we are going to make you. But Paul, if they didn't do these things, these, these big bad corporations wouldn't give us... Wouldn't, sure they would. As soon as you started paying, being willing to pay for the more efficient machines than the less efficient machines, they would build more efficient machines. And guess what? Those more efficient machines would become cheaper. But we don't do that. We want Congress, we want the federal government to bully them. And again, not even Congress, the executive branch. You see why I refer to the, the president as treated more like a king than as a president? Because if, if he, through his bureaucratic 
tentacles can simply rewrite the rules, come up with new rules, pulling stuff right out of thin air, if not some other part of his body, and simply impose that on the American people without any legitimate constitutional authorization to do so, then we are not the land of the free. Because we are not free as long as we have a king-in-chief that believes he can dictate to us how we live our lives. Whether that's what dishwashers we buy, whether that's what uh, uh, um, toilets we buy, whether that's whether or not we wear a mask or stick something in our arm or, or what we have to do to get a job or whether or not we're essential or not, those are not the decisions of a president. Those are the decisions of a king. And as long as King Biden or any other person occupying 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is treated like a king rather than a president, we are not free. The only way to be free is to look those idiots in the eye and say, no, I'm not buying your washing machine, your refrigerator, because you say so. If it means I've got to get an older unit, if it means I've got to repair something else, if it means I have to do things differently so that I can live free, with not under the dictates of a king-in-chief and a bureaucracy that decides to, to tax me to oblivion without representing me, then guess what? That's what I'll have to do. See, that's the difference between the land, the home of the brave and the home of the coward. The home of the brave looks at these infringements on our rights and our freedom and says, no, even if it costs me something, even if it makes my life harder, even if I have to go somewhere else to get what I want, no, I will not comply with these illegal demands. I will not comply. Because my rights, my liberty, and those of my family, including my daughter, are more important to me than the convenience of buying some new stuff. If it means I've got to go more off the grid, pump my own water, generate my own electricity, so be it. Because that is what a brave man does. It stands up to the tyrant and says no. And if we have to work harder to do that, then let's work harder. Let's remember the words of Captain John Parker on Lexington Green that fateful day in 1775. He told his, his militia to stand their ground. Don't give up. Don't back off. Stand up in the face, in the face of oppression and tyranny. Stand. He said, don't fire unless fired upon. Don't initiate violence. But he also said, but if they want war, let it begin here. See, what most people, I, I believe, don't realize is most of these tyrants, this, this executive bureaucracy nonsense, they don't want war. They just figured out that the American people will simply comply with their wishes. And since, because we've taught them, we've taught them that we'll simply roll over and play dead because some federal bureaucrat says so. So until the American people start being willing to stand up and do the hard thing, give up something, be brave enough to place your rights and your liberty above your convenience and your comfort. Until we do that, we're subjects, not citizens. But once you decide, even if just for yourself, that you will not give up your rights just to get along, even if it costs you going to jail, 
being fined, spending time in court, well then, then you can be free. But only if you're brave enough to stand. And that's the real question for the American people. Will we stand? Now, I have some more examples I want to get to, but first, yep, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, I have to take a break. I hope you'll take some time and head over to the website constitutionstudy.com. That's where we read and study the constitutions, where you can find the mailing lists and, and, and all the other goodies that we, uh, that, that we produce here. You can, uh, again, you can ask a question. There's ask question button. Hit the check mark, and I'll answer it right here on the radio. And there's plenty of things for you to do up there. Mostly, I'm hoping you'll take a look at the Patriots program. It's been delayed. I've, I've had some, some busy things going on, family things, work things, and it's, it's been pushed back a little bit, but I am working on it. I will have it up shortly that you can join. But you can find out more about it if you go to constitutionstudy.com slash patriots. Now, one of the ways I get all of this stuff done is I you know I, I don't know about you but I get to the end of the day and my mind turns to mush I it's, it's, I I can't focus so I found this great product from Healthy Soul called Focus and Recall helps me boost my short term focus and my long term brain power with using nothing but Healthy Soul's vitamins you can find out more and as an America Out Loud listener you can get twenty five percent off you can find out how by going to AmericaOutloud.shop and looking for the Healthy Soul card all the instructions are there basically. Go to the website and use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. So please, go to HealthyCell.com. Put your card together, try Focus and Recall or any of their great products, but use that code OUTLOUD at checkout. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, you'll get 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. 
What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You have rejoined the Constitution study. We are returning the Constitution to the people so that we can, re- we can use it to once again become the land of the free because we are the home of the brave. I'm glad you could join me today as we're talking about this, this regulatory state and the, the understanding that what it brings us is taxation without representation. Now, as I said in the opening, it's not simply that we have this regulatory state that's simply, um, you know, creating, creating illegal, unconstitutional and void regulations left, right and center. No, no, no. There's more to it. See, because the, the system is designed with checks and balances. But what happens when the checks and balances become just as corrupt as the regulators? You may have heard that uh, the Supreme Court has put a stay on an injunction preventing the the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives from enforcing a a new rule dealing with what are called unfinished frames and receivers. For those of you who are not familiar with with firearms um, and the law, they're, they're, they're... some people like to build their own guns. I actually would like to. I wish I had the time to build more guns. But one of the things that people do is, is there are parts of the guns that are, that are extremely difficult to produce individually. Right? They're called the frames and receivers, the big, the chunks of metal that uh, uh, most people use. And what the industry has found, especially with the IR-15, is that we can take unfinished frames, meaning... They're they're usually they're often referred to as eighty percent frames. They are eighty percent finished. That means the the casting has been done and some of the millwork, but not the finished millwork, and they've not been assembled into firearms. Well, of course, this scares the crap out of the uh, the 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 you know the socialist and, and the gun grabber because well, if you build it at home and we don't know about it, how can we be able to regulate it and come grab it if we need it? So the um, th- th- there's been this whole brouhaha about frames these unfinished frames and receivers and what's interesting is so we had a uh a, a lawsuit and uh it was there was a stay put in place or there was a an injunction put in place now the supreme court's put a stay on the injunction but there's an underlying piece of information that has been lost and is proof once again that if you're depending on the courts to protect you um <laughs> You're not you're not trusting very much. I'm reading from the uh, I believe it's the original request for uh, an injunction, the preliminary injunction, and in it we read, "quote The Gun Control Act defines the term firearm four different ways: any weapon, including a starter gun, which will or is designed to or may readily be converted to expel a projectile by the action of an explosive, the frame or receiver of any such weapon." any firearm muffler or firearm silencer, or any destructive device. All right, well, first of all, that's a pretty broad scenario that basically means I could... The the Gun Control Act says a a slingshot is a 
firearm under that. But that's not why we are here. See, under the law, Congress delegated the authority to administer and enforce the Gun Control Act to the Attorney General. The Attorney General then, in turn, delegated that authority to the Director of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. Okay, now the first issue, Congress making a law, and then it says delegated authority to administer it. It's a little bit of a misnomer. Congress, under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 18, I believe, has a right to... um, uh, make all laws necessary, putting into into a force and execution the laws of the United States, the powers delegated to the United States. So they created this law and they said, okay, the attorney general is going to do this. Now, does the attorney general have the authority to delegate that to uh, ATF? Um, maybe, right? Because the attorney general is the head of the Department of Justice, and I believe the ATF is part of the Department of Justice, but that's neither here nor there. That's what the law says. It defines a a firearm as a, among other things, a frame or receiver for a weapon that can shoot a projectile via an explosive. Now, 1978, uh, ATF created with a rule saying a frame or receiver uh, as a, um, a that part of a firearm which provides housing for the hammer, bolt or breech block and firing mechanism, and which is usually threaded at its forward uh, portion to receive the barrel. Okay, um, that was the rule. That, by the way, that creates a lot of issues with the AR-15, but even that's not what I'm talking about. See, back in April of last year, April of 22, the ATS published a new rule called a final rule, and they want to change the 78 definition of a frame or receiver. Here's where we're running into problem. See, the definition of a frame or receiver is not in the law. But then again, neither is the authority to define a frame or receiver delegated to the attorney general who could then delegate it to uh, ATF. So the problem we have is ATF is simply pulling stuff out of their backsides. So when they want to modify, when they want to change the definition of a frame or receiver, they have not been delegated the legal authority to do so. By the way, they were not delegated the legal authority to do so back in 1978 when they came up with the first rule. So what you have is you have Congress making a, um, Congress made a bad law. That's bad enough. But in it, they said, okay, the Attorney General, there are certain things the Attorney General can define, can make or uh, decide on. Definition of a firearm is not one of them. So you have the ATF, under the Attorney General, under the President of the United States, making up a definition all on their own without the legal authority to do so. Without, and, and by the way, all of this, all of this is in violation of the Constitution of the United States, the Second Amendment, which says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Well, it's not being infringed, it's being regulated. It's, regulation is infringement. If you can determine who can and cannot exercise a right, that's infringing on their rights. Now, again, if Congress had made a more constitutional law, if Congress had made a law that was that had more definitions, like saying, we define a, a frame or receiver as, even if they went back to the 78, what the uh, ATF did, 
that it was a part of a firearm which provides housing for the hammer, bolt, or breech block and firing me me mechanism, and which is usually threaded at its forward point to receive portion to receive a barrel. If that had been in the law rather than ATF, that would at least have been better. But the problem you're into is these 80% lowers, these especially the AR-15, um, they include um, the firing mechanism, or I should say they include the trigger housing in in one part, um, but not the bolt, not the the hammer, um, not 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 the entire firing mechanism. It includes the trigger the trigger housing, but they're two separate pieces. So my point here for all this is is what you have is the ATF is now making up rules and changing rules in violation of both the Constitution and laws of the United States. And now we have a court system that can't make up its mind, are we going to follow the law or are we going to follow the ATF? Because now you have a, I believe it was a 5-4 court that decided, no, we're going to leave this uh, we're going to stay this injunction. We're going to let the ATF enforce this rule, even though they have yet to show that an unfinished uh, frame or receiver actually fits a definition of firearm according to the laws of the United States, much less the, the, the Constitution of the United States. I hope you're following, because it is, it is a little convoluted in there, and I apologize, but the details matter. ATF can't simply make up a definition all on their own, not unless they're authorized to do so by Congress, and Congress must be exercising a power delegated to the United States in the law in order to be able to delegate to them that power in the first place. So now you have people who are paying taxes. And by the way, if you've ever purchased a firearm, you know you're paying taxes on the firearm. They're paying the taxes to be regulated by an entity that doesn't represent them. ATF. ATF's not, no one, ATF's not elected. They aren't chosen by the people. They're making up laws on their own in violation of the Constitution. And the courts, which should look at this and say, wait a second, where did ATF get the authority to create this rule? They're not protecting you. So... Again, where where are we? We are smack dab in the middle of taxation without representation. We pay taxes to, to pay the ATF, but we're not allowed to be represented in the rules that they're making. Rules, by the way, which have the force of law because you can go to jail for violating an illegal order, an illegal rule from the ATF. Isn't that wonderful? So I wonder how many uh, people have contacted their, their member of the House of Representatives to uh, defund the ATF for violating the Constitution, violating the laws of Congress, um, and and um, basically violating their oaths of office. Where? No, no one. Not that I know of. And by the way, here's the other twist. See, the Gun Control Act of 1968 only regulates firearms in interstate commerce. I've already pointed out that they're not regulating interstate commerce. They're regulating the, regulating the product of interstate commerce. But that means that if somebody builds an, uh, an incomplete uh, uh, frame, a partial frame or receiver, and sells that within the same state, they're not subject to the Gun Control Act of 1968. Tell that to ATF. I remember uh, Kansas, was it back in 2003, I think? 
they passed, I think it was the Second Amendment uh, Protection Act, and they promised to protect Kansas citizens who uh, manufactured and sold firearms within the state from federal uh, uh, federal infringement of their rights until the ATF showed up and arrested a couple of people. And then the state, of, the, 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 the then governor, Sam Brownback, and their attorney general, they just gave up. They folded like a cheap suit. But I want you to think, as we're looking at this, how many bureaucracies are effectively rewriting laws just because they're re- redefining terms all on their own without the, without the, uh, the uh, statutory authority, much less the constitutional authority to do so? How many? It's, I'm sure it's not just ATF. It's not just the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. I know there are more. And if all those these rules that are given the force of law are being done outside of Congress, then they're being done without representation. And then you, you know, who, I forget who it was that, that made the statement. It says, the average American commits three federal felonies a day. How many of those are actual laws and how many of them are simply illegal rules and regulations created without representation, created outside the actual legislative authority, which is delegated to Congress, not to the bureaucrats? I know to some people I'm speaking heresy, but what I'm, all I'm doing is looking at what the Constitution actually says and what, it actually, what the words actually mean and, and hoping against hope that we make some. We learn to make some sense out of this, so we can defend our rights. Because we cannot be free if we will not defend our rights. And if you're betting on the courts to do this to defend your rights for you, good luck. I have a bridge I want to sell you. Because the courts have repeatedly shown they are unwilling, frequently, to stand up against the bureaucrats. In fact, there's a case expected in next year's Supreme Court. That I'm very interested because it deals with the, what's called the, the definition of Chevron deference, uh, the idea that uh, um, the bureaucratic agency gets to define its own rules. It gets to look at the at the the rule book given to it by Congress and then decide for itself what that means. Which again, it's stupid, it's asinine, but that's where we sit because that's where the courts have decided we should sit. The people that are supposed to be putting the Constitution above all are putting the American citizen last. Now, I've got a lot to get to in my last segment, so I'm going to take my break just a little early. But before I go, I want to remind you to check out Fox's Fired Up Flags. You can find it at facebook.com slash foxfiredupflags. Wayne Fox does some wonderful work. He made a flag for me. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's hand-carved, three-dimensional. It's got my, my logo incorporated into it. And everybody who looks at it, everybody who sees it, just goes oohs and ahs and wonders at it. And it's even better, by the way, when you see it in person. So I encourage you to head over to facebook.com slash foxfiredupflags. Take a look at some of the stuff he's done. He does flags. He does signs. He does furniture. He does uh, games. I think he's got some, some cornhole strings made in America, made by hand. And again, Wayne Fox was a pleasure to deal with in, in both designing this and getting it put together. So I recommend him higher, highly. Again, facebook.com slash Fox Fired Up Flags. Also, listen, you know, there's a lot of places to get information. I like finding information from different 
sources, different mindsets to give me all of the different points of view. One of the places I go every day is AmericaOutloud.news. It is a daily stop for me for news and information. And I hope you'll do the same thing. But just like me, I, I think you need to take it to the next level. It's not simply enough to have other people produce information. How about we all take part? How about we all take the, the stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, and we all share them? You know, we often talk about the blessings of liberty here. And those blessings involve the freedom to share all of this information. But if you don't exercise that freedom, if we don't exercise that skill, that tool, well then, where do the blessings of liberty come from? So do me a favor, go to americaoutloud.news, check it out every day, find the information there that really touches you, and then share it as far and as wide as you can so that you are helping to secure the blessings of liberty against those who would keep us silent. The out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health. Naturally. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. If we join the Constitution study, today we're talking taxation with regulation rather than representation. I've already talked about uh, uh, the, the regulatory state and, and the, um, the executive branch basically making laws. We call them rules and regulations, but they have the force of law in violation of the Constitution. Uh, we, we've talked a bit about the courts getting involved and, and the courts kind of playing well, I don't want to say fast and loose, but but placing the the regulatory state above the actual laws and constitution of the United States. Well, what happens when it's actually the just the quote unquote justice system that starts making up the rules all by itself? Now we saw a bit of this uh, in in the Trump administration when 
we saw claims of you know high crimes for stuff that didn't even rate to misdemeanor stuff that by the way there was little evidence and i'm sure many of us thought that this would be pretty much over once trump was out of office at least until he got back in again of course then that didn't happen and we've had these multiple um uh, indictments against trump and my point isn't so much the indictments it's the the logic behind the it, it, it's what we're seeing the the method they're using to get to the indictments and and how they're simply making up the rules as they go now i i found some interesting comments from alan dershowitz he's a a professor emeritus at, at harvard law school and listen i disagree with, with mr dershowitz quite a bit but what's interesting is he made the point that um special counsel jack smith under his own standard of fraud he should be indicted for fraud. What's he talking about? Well, uh, Mr. Smith has, in, has indicted again. What's the old saying, right? A, a good prosecutor can get in a, a jury, a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. Well, he he says that uh, uh, that Trump co uh, co committed conspiracy to defraud the United States. Uh, this is because of his he talk about the rally, the Stop the Steal rally. And the, just one little interesting point. See, um, he they pointed out that, that Trump's use of the phrase to fight like hell um, kind of ignored the little point where he says where Trump told the group to peaceably protest. In other words, uh, Mr. Dersh, I'm sorry, Mr. Smith simply made up new rules and said, uh, you know, you know, we're going to take some words out of context and use that for this, uh, persecution. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, this isn't, this is a political persecution. This is what you expect to see in, in third world banana republics. But I found Mr. Dershowitz's comment that, uh, uh, that Jack Smith couldn't die himself. He, he said, under the indictment itself, Jack Smith could be in, himself indicted. He told a direct lie in this indictment. He purported to describe the speech that President Trump made on January 6th, and he left out the key words when President Trump said, I want you to demonstrate peacefully and patriotically. You know, a lie by omission under the law can be just as serious as a lie by commission. Now, for the purposes of today's topic, what do you see when... Special prosecutors can simply make up the rules as they go along. Where is our representation? It is our taxes that are paying for this special prosecutor. Where is our representation if he's not applying the laws created by uh, uh, our representatives, you know, the ones that, that we hire? Now, another law professor, a Horace Cooper from, uh, he's uh, was well, constitutional law professor at George Mason University. He said, Having read through this latest indictment, there are some significant constitutional infirmities, infirmity concerns that I believe should have led our Attorney General Merrick Garland to decide to either send these back for a redo or to not allow them to go forward at all. Now, what were some of these things that this law professor found? He said, the counts appear to focus on what are core constitutionally protected activities, including free speech. He says, it appears that the core behavior, the act of challenge itself, is criminalized in this case. He said, I think the Supreme Court is going to look with a jaundiced eye at the idea that mere advocacy of a particular position constitutes a crime. So, interesting point. Here we have, again, the Constitution, the supreme law of the land. 
which includes the First Amendment and the freedom and, and the right to freedom of speech, that it shall not be abridged. And here you have a special counsel and uh, apparently the attorney general saying, yeah, well, in this case, we're not going to worry. Uh, uh, we're not going to worry so much based on this. Here's another one. Uh, part of the, the, uh, the claim is that uh, President Trump spread knowingly false claims that the election was stolen from him. Well, Mr. Cooper states for this charge to stand, it must be held the, as a fact that mainstream, as mainstream media assert, Mr. Trump did lose the most secure fraud-free election in the nation's history. He's, we don't know actually what the truth is with regard to the election. And he pointed specifically to Mr. Trump's post-election judicial campaign, which raised several disputes in several battleground states about uh, voter fraud, illegal polling procedures, ballot and vote counting machine errors, and others. So just because the media said it was it, it, it was you know, fraud-free doesn't mean that is actually true. He, said, he went on to say, we're told that Donald Trump's side overwhelmingly lost. Well, that's not entirely accurate. Many of the instances where these cases were presented, they were in the wrong courts that lacked jurisdiction. There were technical reasons why they didn't hold trials, but actually allowed information to be presented, and they then they ruled on the merits. In other words, we now have the the, the rules of, of evidence, the rules of, of uh, you know, guilty until proven innocent, apparently, is now the rule of, of the law, at least if you're in the wrong political party. And it's not just special counsel Smith. U.S. Magistrate Judge Moxilla Upadaya, hope I pronounced that right, uh, well, she issued an order prohibiting uh, Donald Trump from talking to anyone whom he knows is a witness in the case against him for allegedly attempting to overturn the 2020 election. Now, he, Mr. Trump has a constitutional right to confront his accusers, and if he's going to prepare in defense, he has the right to interview with his counsel, with or without his counsel, to interview those witnesses so that he can prepare a defense. But apparently that doesn't matter to this magistrate judge, Abdaya. Now, prosecutors state that it is unlawful to obstruct a criminal investigation, tamper with a witness, victim, juror, informant, or officer of the court, and the penalties can be quite severe, up to $250,000 fine and a decade in jail. But that's not what she's saying. She said, you can't even talk to them. Is now talking to a witness against you considered tampering? Because that is the standard, effective standard that this judge has put in place. You're not allowed to talk because you may tamper with that witness. You're not allowed to talk to them. So now we've got an entirely one-sided uh, justice system where the right to confront your accusers is not uh, is not allowed, and it's interesting that it only seems to be for this particular case. Then again, maybe there are more, but this is certainly the most the most prominent case we find. And of course, then you also have the question of is that this not also a violation of Mr. Trump's uh, freedom of speech to say you cannot talk to somebody because you might possibly interfere with a with with, with a uh, uh, a case you might attempt to, you might attempt to intimidate, you know, like pre-crime. We, you know, we, we don't, you, we don't, you haven't actually committed the crime yet, but we know you're going to commit the crime. So we're going to punish you for it beforehand by, we're going to prevent you from doing it by effectively punishing you beforehand. 
Then we can go back to the Department of Justice for a while, because uh, uh, let's just say they've been playing a little fast and loose with the law when it comes to uh, the the raid on, on Mar-a-Lago. See, a, a district judge out of Florida, uh, Eileen Cannon, uh, she issued her own order requiring the Department of Justice to um, present information they've kept classified, to unseal two filings to explain why this Florida case is being handled in Washington, D.C. This, by the way, is also very interesting, very important, because not only is President Trump, um, he's entitled to a jury of, of an unbiased to do a trial by jury by an unbiased jury but it's to happen in the state where the crime was committed well if the crime was committed in florida why is this being tried in washington dc now there could be some very interesting reasons why this is being tried in washington dc mr dershowitz came up with an example uh he he asked a very simple question is it possible? Is it possible for Mr. Trump to find an to have an impartial jury in the District of Columbia, a, a district that votes routinely ninety plus percent for the Democrats? That that routinely has shown, um, well, you say a, a, a lack of consideration for the rights of those who do not hold the the Marxist leftist point of view. According to an article in the Daily Caller, actually it's 95% of potential jurors registered in the district uh, vote Democrat. And let's face it, this is a political trial. The, the justice has little, if anything, to do with this trial or, or any of the others that are involved. This is a political fight being taken, taking part in a combination of our justice system and our judicial system. And let's face it, if the rules get made up as you go along to deal with the individual, not the crime, well, then you've got taxation without representation because the laws aren't equally applied or the laws are made up and changed by either the executive branch or the judicial branch. Now, why have I focused so much on this idea of taxation without representation? Well, because we've all heard it. It's all something we grew up with, this understanding, this basic fairness that if you're going to tax us, you must represent us. But more and more, the taxes, although they're they're laid by Congress, they're being collected to pay for things that don't represent us, for agencies and departments that decide to regulate us rather than represent us, whether that be determining what appliances they will allow to, to, to be sold, even though they have no legal authority to do so, to the... Um, to, to whether or not uh, we're going to let those regulatory agencies simply redefine parts to fit whatever their current uh, political biases are, all the way down to how we're going to handle uh, crimes and prosecutions. If we are not being represented, and I don't just simply mean by, uh, by Congress. Congress is a big part of it. But remember, the first five words of the preamble to the Constitution are we, I'm sorry, first three words, are we the people? And that preamble ends with do ordain and establish this Constitution. See, we are represented by the Constitution, the supreme law of the land that was put in place. And when we allow our employees, our servants in public office to circumvent our representative power from the Constitution, 
Well, then we have taxation without representation. If they don't follow the rules, the laws that we put in place when we created them, then we're being taxed without representation. Frequently, that's being done through regulation. Sometimes it's simply done through persecution. But that phrase, taxation without representation, rings in the ears of the American people. It rang in the 18th century. It should ring in our ears today. If, if we are not involved in the law, if, our, if the laws we use to establish the federal government are not being followed, then we are not being represented. And if you think about it, how much of the taxation that Congress is collecting from us is being used to do things we never authorized? That's taxation without representation right there. The very fact that we have a Department of Energy, a Department of Education, a CDC, an FDA, that is all taxation without representation. Sadly, it's sad to say, as much as American people might react to this idea of, of their rights being infringed upon, it seems they, much, they react much harder, much more fervently when you go for their, for their wallets and their pocketbooks. That's exactly what's happening. So whether you're motivated by the, the protection of your rights or the protection of your wallets, how about we get together in this and recognize that all of these agencies that were created outside the powers delegated to the United States by the Constitution are by definition taxation without representation. Every dollar taxed to pay for those, every dollar borrowed to pay for those is taxation without representation. And in the case of borrowing money, every dime of interest paid on those debts is taxation without representation. We fought a war for 27 reasons, according to the Declaration of Independence. One of them, number 17, was taxation without representation. Don't you think it's about time that we the people start hiring representatives that will spend less time playing political patty cake or finding you know, screen time, you know, camera time on, on news networks and more time representing us, taking our laws, our consent, and enforcing it on the rest of the government. Maybe, just maybe, if Congress spent less time lining their own pockets and actually protecting the rights of the American people, we wouldn't have so much taxation without representation. I know it's been decades this way. We've, had, we've got generations that have grown up believing that all of that this Congress is doing, all that this government is doing is perfectly legitimate because they say so. It's why I think we need to return the Constitution to we the people so that they can see the truth of the matter. They can see the facts for themselves. Maybe then they'll consider who they choose to represent them to be their, their employee, their servant in Congress. Maybe if we pick better servants, we'd end up with a better federal government. I'm not saying things would be perfect. I'm not saying there wouldn't be fights going along the way. What I am saying is, if we wish representation, then we have to, we have to hire people that actually represent us. And that includes the laws we put in place when we established those offices, and those positions, and we delegated those powers. We defined them, not the other way around.
But that only happens if we start with a bit of education, with reading and studying the Constitution and teaching the rising generation to be free. So I hope you'll you head to the website Constitution Study. Find out more. Find out how you can get engaged, how you can get educated, how you can defend and assert your rights. I also hope you come back here every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time for the Constitution Study on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, that's fine. All the episodes typically go to podcast a day or two after they're heard on the radio. You can listen on your favorite podcast app, but do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Leave ratings and reviews on the show and on the different episodes. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But as always, I'm going to ask you to share that information. Share the news. You know, we talk about the blessings of liberty here. Part of that blessing of liberty is to be able to share good news and to share news about how we can return to the land of the free by being the home of the brave. You do your part when you take that information, you take those links, and you share them. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how you participate in sharing the blessings of liberty. Liberty. 